in a few moments, we'll be singing in heavenly songs and praising and worship. And then you'll hear the message from a number of pastors as we journey through the book of Acts this week. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. Here at Overlake, we believe that connection is everything. We would love for you to connect with those sitting around you in the service and in the hallway. We'll be hosting events that provide opportunities to connect with others here at OTC, as well as in the community. If you want to find out more, please stop by the Connection Center after the service. If today is your first time with us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, please swing by the Connection Center in the hallway after the service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Here at Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve and give more. If you'd like more information about any of the various ministries, from Kid Town Children's Ministry, Student Ministries, to Behind the Scenes on Sunday morning, then note that in the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the information you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe the church is more than just a building to gather in on a Sunday, but a family that can come together to worship the God who loves us, and then head out in our community to share his love with others. We hope you have a great experience at Overlake this morning. God bless you. Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Welcome to our international Sunday celebration. We are going to worship Jesus together.
Inspiration. 
que tudo Ele é ó oh, quão lindo esse nome é nome de Jesus deixou o céu para buscar-nos veio pra nos
we, what language we sing in it. Sing it, it doesn't matter how we sing it, off tune or on tune. It is a beautiful name. It is a powerful name. It is worthy of our worship. You can go ahead and take a seat. My name's Neely. I'm one of the pastors here. I work with the students and the young adults here. And you know what? Um, I'm feeling pretty good because already this summer, I have done two summer camps. Two. That's crazy. One with 160 middle schoolers. You are right. That is a lot of middle schoolers. And one with 155 high school students. So you can basically say that I'm living my best life. I mean, it's my best exhausted life, but it's my best life. Actually, I have a before and after. Check this out. Before camp, after camp, you know? <laughs> still, still my best, you know? So if I just fall asleep in my own message, you'll know why. You'll know why. Today we're continuing this series on the book of Acts. And Acts is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love it because it shows how Jesus' life and teaching became a movement, became the church. And so what we get is we get this really clear idea of what we're supposed to look like today. What the church should look like. Today we're also celebrating International Sunday at Overlake. And we are celebrating that there are 43 countries represented in our church family. That's amazing. Over 47 languages spoken. And I just want to start by saying, you belong here. This is your home. This is your family. As much as I belong here, you do too. And you know why? Because of the book of Acts. Right? We're living out the book of Acts. Acts tells us that every nation, every tongue will declare as one body that Jesus alone is the name that saves. So this is Acts. This is Acts that's happening. And that's why I love Overlake so much. Why I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that people come from all walks of life, all places around the world, all experiences. And we come together at one table one big table, and we become this family, and we say, okay, let's put our heads together. How do we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? Man, that's beautiful. I don't know anything better than that. So I love you, Overlake. I'm so glad to be here and so glad to celebrate this. Last week, Pastor Gary uh, walked us through Acts 3, the story of the crippled man who asked for money and found healing and wholeness, right? He, he asked for money, uh, he had a problem, and the disciples had a solution. Today we're going to pick up in Acts 4 where Peter and John, after they heal this man, they preach the name and power of Jesus and 5,000 people get saved. Wow. 5,000 in one moment get saved. And what happens next? Peter and John are confronted and persecuted. They have this amazing experience where they experience the power of Jesus. And then right after that, they experience the power of the world. And sometimes immediately after we have one of our greatest victories, what we find is we're met with challenges and heartache and disappointment and people coming against us. And that's exactly what Peter and John are about ready to experience. They're brought before the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law. And they're asked, 
By whose name do you heal? By whose name do you preach? And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in verse 8, and you can follow along on the screen or on your outline. This is what it says in Acts. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. And the first thing, the first outline you can uh, fill in on your outline there is, Peter and John were ordinary people who had been with Jesus. Now, Pastor Gary pointed out this line last week, but I kind of want to camp here for a little bit because I think this is actually really important for us to get a hold of. For Peter and John, what did it mean? It meant that they were of the original 12 disciples. They were two of them. They had actually been with Jesus. They had literally spent the last three years hanging out with Jesus, seeing what Jesus would do, what he would say, all those things. They had been with him. And the elders and the rulers, they say, look, the most distinguishing thing, the thing that stands out most about you is who you've been with. It's who you've been with. Now, maybe some of you, 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 you've noticed this happen to you, but like you hang out with a group of people or you find a new friend and you start to pick up their mannerisms, right? You start to become a little bit more like them. On student ministries team, I apologize to my teammates all the time because they've picked up some of my mannerisms. And one of them is that I have an overuse of the word totally. I say it way too much. I mean, I might say it three times in a row, like totally, totally, totally. And that means I'm just really on board with what you said, you know? And they've all started saying it. The other thing that, that we don't love as much, and there's a lot of complaints about this mannerism, is I tend to point to myself. Um, I don't know why. But sometimes you just got to let yourself know, you know? And uh, they all started pointing to themselves. And so I feel bad about it, but it's what happens when you hang out with me, I guess. Uh, but maybe you move to another part of the country and you find yourself picking up an accent. Or maybe you moved around the world and you find yourself picking up another culture. The people we surround ourselves with shape us. And that happened to Jesus' disciples. They became a little bit like Jesus. Peter and John lived a certain way. They behaved a certain way because they had been with Jesus. It changed the decisions they made, the words they spoke, everything, their entire being. So I wanted to stop here and, and I want to reflect a little bit. I wonder, would people say of me, would people say of you, that the most distinguishing thing about you is that you've been with Jesus? I don't, I mean, I like it. It sat with me all week. This idea of like, would people look at my life and the decisions and the words and the choices that I make and when they say, she has been with Jesus, that's what stands out. Obviously, I think it's possible. 
I think it was significantly easier for Peter and John, right? They were walking with Jesus. It's a little bit different for us. It reminds me of Brother Lawrence. He's a monk from the 1600s, and he became well-known for his words and his practices. A book was written by him and with others called Practicing the Presence of God. And he joined the monastery after he fought in the war, and he took really a lowly job in the monastery. He was in the kitchen doing dishes. He was um, repairing sandals. But he wrote about his ability to be aware of God even in the mundane. Here's actually uh, someone's art of him as an icon. And you can't see it very well, but on the bottom it says, The Lord walks among the pots and pans. And it was said that, look, that people noticed Brother Lawrence in this lowly position was so connected to Jesus, had been with Jesus so clearly that people sought him out. They sought him out. They wanted, they wanted the peace that he had. It was extraordinary. Here's this ordinary man doing mundane tasks, being sought out because it's so clear that he's been with Jesus. This is what he said. He does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for his graces, past and presence, present, he has bestowed upon you. In the midst of your troubles to take solace in him as often as you can, lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company, the least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly, he is nearer than we think. Amen. And here's my point. And you can write this down if you want. But you definitely should don't join a monastery. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. You shouldn't. Um, no one should. I mean, no, people should if it's your thing. But um, <laughs> see, when you don't stick to what you've written down, sometimes things come out. This is where I would point to myself. Stop, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we move into a monastery. I am suggesting that we can learn the practice of wherever we are, whatever we're doing, of being aware of God with us, of Jesus with us, that we can be doing the mundane, and he can be with us, and we can be aware of his presence. Brother Lawrence often spoke of sensing God's greatest presence when he was washing the dishes. He's not doing something spiritual. Rather, he's making all things spiritual. He's making it aware that Jesus is with him. He's slowing down. He's drawing awareness to the presence. And we too can do that. We can acknowledge. We can recognize that God is with us always. That he is there. And we can tap into that. We talk about it all the time. We use this word that, Jesus, that God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere, always, and sometimes that is mind-blowing, right? That's, that's more than we can imagine. It's, it's a mystery of the divine, that he could be with us and he can be around the world and present. But he is, and that's the truth, and that's the power, and all we need to do is simply connect with him. Recognize, slow down, Acknowledge his presence. Be with him. It changed Brother Lawrence, and it can change us. It can change how we see people, how we make decisions, how, how we live our lives. That's what being with Jesus does. Side note, I, I, this is why I say, in student ministries all the time, I say, um, we want to be a safe place for every student. 
And I, and I feel this so passionately that I want every student, I don't care where you come from, what you bring with you, I want every student here at church. Because here's what I believe. If we push students as close as possible to Jesus, he is going to change their lives and transform it. I don't have to do it. We don't have to do it. It's merely going, look, Jesus, the one who loves you, who created you, get as close as possible, and your life will be different. And that's why I believe in it. That's, that's my job, that's, that, that we just push people towards Jesus. So let's continue on with our story. Let's see what happens when, when Peter and John uh, keep going on in this story. It picks up in 16, verse 16. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. So pause right here. Peter and John, they respond with this question. Should we obey you rather than God? Should we choose what is easy or should we choose what is right? And people who have been with Jesus, this is the next villain, choose to do what is right over easy. And I want to just clarify really, because this is super important. We don't choose to do what is right and easy so that Jesus is with us. We choose right over easy because we've been with Jesus. It's different. But Peter and John, they know the consequence. They know the consequence of obeying God rather than men. They know. They know it could lead to jail. It could lead to the loss of their life. Yet they have decided because they've been with Jesus, they're going to choose to do what is right. Right over easy every time. Some areas of our lives, I mean, this, we have opportunities all the time to choose right over easy. All the time. To choose the easy, the convenient. For example, this week I went to the dentist. Oh, man. I just, we could pray right now and I'd be ready, you know, to respond. My dentist wants to tell me that it is right to floss my teeth every night. They take so much joy in telling me that. I'm like, I think I heard you the first few times, you know. I'm like, this is what my messages must sound like on repeat, you know. Like, floss, I get it, it's right. But, you know, when you've had a long day, and I'm supposed to wash my face, moisturize my face, brush my teeth, and floss them, okay, might skip it, you know. I might skip it all. That's, I've, did you see my before and after? Like, I don't got time for that stuff. Right over easy. Or um, I, I think about this time in high school, choosing right over easy. I'd just become a Christian. I'd just started following Jesus. And I was coming out of, like, I was a classic 90s teenager, so coming out of the punk rock movement. Any punk rock fans? Yeah? No? Yeah. All right. Nirvana, you know. But this, uh, there was this punk rock band coming to town that I loved. No one knew them. And I'm going to tell you their name, and you'll probably pray for me, but their name was Coffin Break. Um, they were very cool, very edgy. And, but I knew my parents would not approve of me going to this concert. So I told them I was working inventory at the mall. You know, that's what you do. Um, so I went to the concert, got in my bed at night, and I was like, the Holy Spirit just started like whispering, like, that's not... That's not what you want to do. That's not who you are. You chose easy. And I could not sleep. 
And I was like, oh, I was like tossing and turning. I was like watching the clock, waiting it for it to be an early enough time for me to go wake my parents up and apologize. So finally I get up in the morning, like 5.30, I walk into my dad's room, I knock on the door, I'm, dad, dad, hey, um, I'm super sorry, I need to tell you the truth. I wasn't working inventory, I went to a punk rock show, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, go to bed. Uh, what? Are you kidding me? You know, like, so sometimes even use, choosing easy doesn't matter. It still has a consequence. It still backfires on us. It reminds me of another moment in high school. When I was a senior in high school and I was asked my teacher, could I walk to my locker uh, during class? And she said, go ahead. And so as, as I was walking, there were two other students in the hallway. One was uh, a white, young high school boy. One was, the other was an African-American boy. And we were walking, and you could kind of feel the tension in the hallway. And, and as we're walking, I was like, I didn't know. I felt uncomfortable. But, but suddenly the white kid turns, and he says, go back to Africa. And I remember thinking in my feeling that was wrong, and I should do something. But I did what was easy, and I walked away and got out of there as fast as I could. And it's kind of sat with me for a while. I chose silence when I could have spoken up. And now, now years later, I'm a mother of an Ethiopian American. And I wonder who will stand up for her? Who won't be quiet? Who will choose what is right? Who will confront the hate and racism? We cannot be silent. We must choose to do what is right. See, it's not always easy to choose right, but it is always right to choose right. Amen. And people who have been with Jesus know that. Like I said, that's the beauty of the church, being made up of all walks of life, different ages, races, stories, politi political affiliations. This work of unity with these differences is hard but it's right. I mean, look at the world. We're a mess right now. We can't figure out how to get along with people who are different than us. But by choosing to be a church that celebrates our uniquenesses, we are choosing what is right over easy. Brene Brown says this, integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. People who have been with Jesus, they see all the options. They see the easy ones and the right ones. But the Holy Spirit living in us guides us to choose what is right. Let's continue with Acts 4. In verse 21, it says this, The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. People who have been with Jesus experience victory over evil. Peter and John, they, they saw how God worked, how God moved. They had this moment of victory. They were released. They had performed a miracle. They had, they had clearly spoken, we're going to choose to obey God, but they still were released. In a world that is so dark and so easy to see evil, people who have been with Jesus, they experience moments, glimpses of God's victory. 
moments that point to another world, another way where God wins, God restores, and God makes all things new. Moments where relationships are reconciled, families restored. These are victories, glimpses of what God has planned all along. And here's the deal. Peter and John, I, I want you to understand this. They still end up in jail. They actually both still end up as martyrs. Because they still were willing to choose right over easy. And I don't want to simply imply that if you always choose what is right, you will avoid suffering because that's just not true. That's just not true. But you will have moments of victory. You will. And those moments of victory, they will, you will cling to them because they will give you hope in the middle of the suffering. They will give you courage to press on in the middle of it. See, we'll have moments of victory in this world. And we will also have moments where we're like, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? But that's why we cling to those moments those victories, because they give us a glimpse of what is yet to come. So Peter and John, they choose right over easy. They experience victory. And finally, this is the last point. It leads them to proclaim the good news with boldness. When Peter and John were released, they went to the other believers. They reported what happened. The people worshipped. They celebrated. And they asked God, can we experience more of this? And this is what verse 31 says. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Fills a little remnants of Pentecost, right? People praying together. The Spirit shows up. The word is preached. People are changed. And maybe there's a connection between a bold prayer life and living boldly. People who have been with Jesus, who have chosen the right over easy, who have seen what victory over evil looks like, they are filled with courage and power by the Holy Spirit, and they preach the word of God with boldness. Amen. And boldness is, it's just confidence in the message. It's confidence in the good news of Jesus. Boldness is not yelling. It's not yelling it because you think you're right. Boldness is the belief that the miracle that's about ready to happen is God's work, not mine. Boldness is not forcing other people to see and behave like me. Boldness is trusting that the Holy Spirit that lives within me will speak for me. And it's not actually about even being weird, right? I mean, I think sometimes we talk about preaching and proclaiming the gospel and we get all like, this is going to be weird and uncomfortable. But it's actually about people who have encountered Jesus. They've encountered this radical love of Jesus. And they understand the great depths of what it means to be saved from their own mess. And the promise of what is yet to come. And then everyone they look around with, they're like, oh, you've got to know this too. Because this is so good. You are loved more than you can ever imagine. There is goodness and hope and peace for you. That is good news. And man, I just can't keep quiet about it. That's the boldness we're talking about, proclaiming it. I'm super excited. In a couple minutes, you'll get to hear from my friend Valmer about his powerful story of proclaiming the gospel with boldness. Peter and John, they proclaim the good news with boldness. And our invitation is to walk in courage. That the message we carry of Jesus is good news for all people everywhere. And so we have boldness. I love how chapter 4 ends. In verse 32, it starts this way. 
All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt what they had owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them. There was no needy among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. What we see in the first chapters of Acts is the birth of the church by the Holy Spirit alongside partnership with, willing, with those who are willing to say, look, we want to be with Jesus. We want to choose what is right. We want to do that. We want to experience victory. We want to proclaim the good news. And the church began to multiply, and the result is us. Amen. Isn't that amazing that this moment right here is all the way leading to us right here? Because a few people were willing to say, yes, we'll proclaim the good news with boldness. Amen. And our invitation is to follow in the footsteps of Peter and John. To be people who practice being with Jesus. Who look for moments of victory over evil. Who proclaim the good news of Jesus. Amen. And who partner with God to continue to grow and sustain his church. We're going to pray and we're going to worship together. And my hope is that you would take advantage of this moment to connect with Jesus. To connect with Jesus who is here. Promises that where we gather, he's with us. Would you, would you, while we're singing, connect with him? And by connecting, would you be filled with courage and boldness to live lives like Peter and John? Why don't you join me in standing and let's pray together. Jesus, I am so amazed by your love for us, by the power of your Holy Spirit that invites us into community with you and with each other. God, that we can be with you and you can fill us with courage. God, you can help us see ways in which we can participate and partner in what you're doing in this world. Would you fill us, God? Would you fill us with courage? Would you fill us with boldness? God, would you give us the conviction to choose what is right over easy? God, may we be people who our community looks at and says, they have been with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
together. Please be seated. We're going to continue on in our worship through the giving of our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. I want to draw your attention to the card. And if you are new guests with us, we want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. And we would encourage you to fill it out. Instead of putting it into the bucket, as others might do, take it out to the Connection Center right here outside. And we have a gift we'd like to give you this morning. So as the ushers are coming forward, I want to invite one of our ministry partners, Valmir. Come on up, Valmir. Grab the microphone. You're going to get a chance to hear from him like you did a week ago with Carly. And so, Valmir, we were looking forward to hearing from you. And thanks for partnering with us around the world and with soccer. So why don't you share? Thank you. Bom dia, Overlake. Good morning, Overlake. Wow. My name is Valmir Soares, and I'm so happy to be here this morning. And uh, I love Jesus. You love Jesus? I can tell you I love Jesus. But it wasn't that way before. So I'm from Brazil, and I was born in the big favela in Brazil. And uh, my parents, on the past, they belonged to... A different religion. It was a syncretic Afro-Brazilian religion, uh, spiritism that basically is a demon's worship. So with uh, eight years old, I was already involved with drugs, alcohol. So I don't know how many of you have eight years old boy, but can you imagine uh, eight years old boy uh, full of alcohol and drugs in in their bodies. So there was myself, full of angry, and in my neighborhood, so dangerous, controlled by the drug dealers. All the people always says like this, nobody can come out of this community and be successful in their lives. So they are gonna live here, grow here, be involved with the drugs, and or go to jail, or be killed. So there was uh, my neighborhood. I didn't know Jesus, so my choices was always poor choices. Until my 10 years old, I didn't have any soccer shoes to play, just playing barefoot. But the Lord had plans for my life, and then I started playing when I was 13 years old in a team. So with 14 years old, I left my home and I went to the south of Brazil to play for a team. With 16 years old, I got my first professional contract to play professional soccer. And I was so glad that everything that I've heard in the past, that nobody could be successful, that was destroyed in my life because now I was a professional soccer player. 
But even though I was a professional soccer player, I had my money, I had, I had my salary, but I still was involved with drugs, alcohol, and I was thinking that was a good life because I didn't know Jesus. When I was 21 years old, I got to know Jesus. And I love the book of Acts because the book of Acts we could call, not the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, but the the Holy Spirit acts through the apostles, right? And when I met Jesus, a friend just told me like this, Vomir, you need to know your best friend. Just that. He didn't preach to me. He didn't say other words. Just, Vomir, you need to know your best friend. Until he showed me the Bible. He showed me John 15, and then I walked through the John 15, and I just realized that how powerful it's the Holy Spirit. How powerful is when we walk with Jesus? So I surrender my life to Jesus and say, Jesus, from now on until the rest of my life, I'll live my life to bear fruits to you, to, to point people to you, to love people and show how great is your love, how powerful is you, Lord. You know what happened? The board of the team called me and said, hey, we don't want a Christian in the team. <laughs> I said, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> and you know what? I was the captain of the team. <laughs> so, yeah, the season was over. I was sold for another team. And that my faith just started to grow. I started to help people. I started to help churches. I started to help missionaries. So I use my testimony going to church and point people to Jesus. And my job is, is to say like this, Jesus, Jesus is my friend. My friend, this is Jesus. Now you can talk. And then I'll go. <laughs> you know, I live my life to do that. So, and then God brought me to Belgium to play. So, and then I was in Belgium playing first division team. I had a huge salary. And I, was, I have accomplished the dream of 95% of the Brazilians to be a professional soccer player, playing the first division team. And I got two years contract in Belgium. But after eight months, I was trying to connect my faith with my, my teammates, try to share my faith with them, and they didn't want to know. I cried every single night. In that time, I was dating my beautiful wife, Claudia that is here. And I praise the Lord that she didn't participate of my old life at all. She grew up in the church. And she was in Brazil and I was in Belgium. And I call her and say, I'm going to give up. The Lord didn't call me to be a soccer player. He called me to preach the gospel. He called me to use my gifts, the talents that he gave to me to bring people to him. So I gave up my contract. I could be there. I could play. I could uh, receive a lot of money. But I decided to come back. I talked to Jesus. and say, Jesus, I know what you want. Because we are friends. And you wanted me to come back. You wanted me to bring people to you. So we come back. And uh, together we started the mission department in our church in Brazil. 
half of the church came to Christ through our ministry. I went to work in marketing. I became a marketing manager. And then I had a good salary again when we met Ambassadors Football. is a Christian soccer organization that uses soccer as a platform to discipleship, to evangelize, to plant church, to equip the church, to go out and preach the gospel. And then that happened in 2007. In 2010, we became members of Ambassadors. 2011, we became director of Ambassadors in Brazil. And you know what? I was probably in front of one of the cameras in the middle of the sanctuary down there in August 2011. And during the worship time, I was just crying. Just crying and crying and crying. Jesus talking to me and the Holy Spirit filling my heart because I had a lot of doubts. I didn't know what to do. I knew that Jesus was calling me to be full-time in the ministry. But I had family. I had a good salary. And I had to give up everything. And Jesus just spoke to me. Don't be afraid. This is what the book of Acts is about. If the Holy Spirit is with you, don't be afraid. Just keep walking. He will guide you. So we became full-time ministry. And until now, I'm a pastor. And we are directing Latin America for ambassadors. And the Lord is just using our lives to speak in the prisons, to go in places that is very tough as North Korea, Russia, India, China, Lebanon, Kurdistan. And we learned this. We learned this. When we love Jesus, he puts his breath on our lungs. And he put his Holy Spirit in us. And by the Holy Spirit, we can just walk. We just listen. And whatever he says, just do it. We don't need to think that much. You know, because if we think, the doubt comes in our hearts. Right? But we don't need to think. We need to believe. We need to surrender. And this is what we do. We surrender our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, use our lives. Use our lives. So he set me free from the devil. I'm free. I'm free. I have hope in my heart. We had so many stories, so many experiences. Preaching for 5,000 prisoners. In Russia, 75 people come to Christ. It's not because of us. But it's because of the Holy Spirit acting in our lives. And this is the encouragement we want to give to you this morning. I don't know how you came here. What is your status right now? Maybe you are in chains for something. It can be spiritually. It can be physically, emotionally. Maybe your relationships is broke. I don't know. But I know Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And he's powerful to set you free. This is what I know. And if you want to experience 
how to be free in the name of Jesus. Today is the day. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Valmir. Mighty, mighty man of God. And if you want to have an opportunity to talk with him more, pause over by the Brazilian table out in the, in the courtyard there. As we head out, we're, we're going to be filled with um, tables of people from different nations that are here in our body. And so they have things to share with you about their country and their culture. So ask questions. And just so you know, your children got these little passports. So they're going to want to stay and go around and get their passports stamped. Last year, we had a lot of adults grab our extra passports. So we printed more for you this year. And um, we, I've heard that there's incredible food out there. Um, so yeah, so you want to pause and linger and sample from the nations. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up. We're going to close out our time. I invite my friend Lawrence Lee up to the stage. He's one of our OCC members here. And as always, you guys, if your heart is touched and stirred off of Valmir's message, off of Pastor Neely's incredible message, you may want somebody to pray with. And there are people here that will do that. Just head up here on the second floor. There's someone there to greet you. And Lawrence is going to close us out. Go ahead, Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Lawrence. Uh, I've been coming to OCC about five years and um, uh, I love the church I love the worship I love the people and one of the ways that uh, we connect with people is get involved and my thing is the park party uh, so I serve uh, others by cooking Korean barbecue so those are good so I encourage you to come out uh, and um, let us uh, close in prayer let, let us pray 사랑이 많으시고 전능하신 하나님 아버지 감사합니다. 오늘도 귀한 예배를 통해 하나님께 경배와 찬양과 영광을 돌릴 수 있게 해주시고 성령과 교제를 할수 있게 해주시니 감사합니다. 우리 교회를 축복해 주시고 목사님들을 축복해 주시고 스태프를 축복해 주시고 우리 교인들을 축복해 주시고 우리의 커뮤니티를 축복해 주시기 바랍니다. 오늘 저희 교회는 인터내셔널 데이 셀러브레이션 하는 날입니다. 여러 민족들이 모여서 이 귀한 교회가 되어 하심을 감사합니다. 예수님의 몸이 되고 교회가 되는 우리 교인들의 모든 민족들을 이 시간에 기억해 주시고 축복해 주시기 바랍니다. 성령께서 각 나라를 이 시간 직접 찾아가 주셔서 각 나라를 축복해 주시고 불쌍한 영혼들의 이름을 불러 주셔서 그들이 주님의 품 안에 돌아올 수 있게끔 주님께서 축복해 주시길 바랍니다. 우리들은 하나님의 축복과 은혜 안에서 예수님의 명령을 따라 세상 끝까지 복음을 전하는 일에 참석할 수 있게 저희들의 마음을 움직여 주시고 저희들의 손과 발이 되어 주옵소서 예배 들어서 인터내셔널 대 규제 시간을 가질 때그 자리에 성령님께서 함께해 주시고 모든 민족 귀인들 형제 자매로 서로 성령님 안에서 규제하고 서로 축복하고 as we go out, let us um, let Holy Spirit be with us that in all that we do, that He will bless us that we may do the right thing, not the easy. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. See you outside. Your mercy brought new life, and in your loving kindness, raised me up.